Hey everyone, thanks for tuning in to the NetSuite podcast. I'm Kendall Fisher and I'm usually the one hosting this channel, but on this episode, I've handed the mic over to our content marketing manager, Ian McHugh. He's chatting with Blake Thomas, the chief operating officer of Corksicle, the company making things cool, literally. The company started with in-bottle wine chillers in 2010 and has evolved into insulated tumblers, coffee mugs, coolers, canteens, barware, and everything in between. Thomas takes us on the company's growth journey from independent retail to D2C to big box stores like Target and Bed Bath & Beyond. He'll then talk about what it really takes to be successful as an omni-channel business like this and how NetSuite helped the business get there especially with its recent addition of sweet commerce for their B2B business so wholesale retailers can purchase directly from Corksicle at their leisure. Thomas will also discuss how NetSuite helps the company to operate lean and avoid IT headcount while simultaneously helping them to make data-driven decisions around things like inventory and demand planning, which became critical as their D2C business increased amid the pandemic and they needed to reallocate resources to support it. Clearly, there's a lot to come, so don't go anywhere. You're listening to the NetSuite Podcast, where we discuss what's happening within NetSuite, why we're doing it, and where we're heading in the future. We'll dive into the details about the software and the people at NetSuite who are behind all the moving parts. We'll also feature customer growth stories, discussing the ups and downs of running a company and how one integrated system can help your business continue to scale. Hey Blake, thanks for joining us today. Thanks for having me, Ian. Yeah, happy to happy to have you here and learn learn some more about Corksicle today, a little bit about uh, the company and your journey with NetSuite. So we kind of gave a brief overview of, of Corksicle in the intro to this podcast. Could you just tell me in your own words about how the company started, what the brand is, and, and what you guys do today? Well, it started about 10 years ago. I had a friend that invented a product that was a very novel product. It was the first in-bottle wine chiller sold on the market. Um, him and two other individuals launched the product. They then brought me on a little bit, probably two, three months after they got started. And then we really just started churning away. You know, it was a really hot product. We were lucky enough to be in Oprah's favorite thing early. And it really showed us that functionality with a cool design was a great product to have. And it allowed us to expand over and over. And we seem to have done it right for a little while. And we're still kicking 10 years later. And I have to ask now, how did you end up on Oprah's list? Was it just pure luck or was there some sort of story to it? Well, the funny story is, is that we were doing a trade show in New York called New York Now. And we were really young in the game. And we thought you just walked up to Harpo Productions with the corksicle in hand and say, hey, check this out. That's not exactly how it works. We had a PR partner that was doing some stuff and had our product and Oprah's team saw it. It started to get some traction. We, there's radio silence. You really don't know what's going on, but 
eventually it came through. It was in our second year, I believe, and it really took off. And it actually allowed us to create a good relationship with Oprah. And we've been lucky enough to been selected quite a few times. Yeah, that's awesome. And and like you mentioned at the beginning there, you started with just this one product, the the in-bottle wine chiller. Obviously now you have a really wide variety of items beyond that. How did you kind of build off that first product? And what's your process like for developing and figuring out when you're going to add a new item to your catalog? So, you know, our product development is is interesting because it started with the original corksicle, which we felt there were some fairly easy transitions. There was a transition to beer that we thought was pretty easy. And that led us to develop the, the um, what we call now the beer chiller. But the, we talk about it from a, from a tree standpoint. There's, there's, there's these ideas that we have about where we can go with a product. We're always thinking about the functionality of it, but also elevated design. But we're also not going to make a leap that would confuse one of our customers about how Corksicle's doing that. So if you look at our product expansion, we've gone from wine to beer to then taking wine out with you to keep it cold, then to water bottles, then to barware, then to coolers. You know, you can see this evolution. The funny part is, is we actually now even have a an ice bucket that we were so opposed to ice buckets when we started with the corksicle. But the natural evolution of our product really led us to just these different, you know, tabletop and houseware items that really fit into the image that we try to project. Yeah, I definitely see how you can kind of make that transition and and when you're thinking about adding new products is there market research is there other data you look at to figure out if if this is the right fit or is it a little less maybe scientific than that the markets that we are in are so large we know that there's space and anytime that you're developing a cool product pun intended that has awesome design, awesome patterns, awesome colors, but is functionally fantastic, we figure we're going to play pretty decently in those markets. And could you give us a little bit of a sense of, of your, your breakdown of where you sell and, and maybe how, how important each is to the business, different channels? So when we started 10 years ago, our market was solely independent retail. So we would go to the Atlanta gift show, the Dallas gift show, New York now, where these independent retailers, mom and pop retail stores would come to these shows and they would see hundreds of different vendors, different products, new products. And that was 100% our market. We had the corksickle.com, but our focus was on the independent retailers. And as we grew, naturally, direct-to-consumer grew. Uh, we have a very good international business. We have a great promotional business. And we've really developed strategic partnerships with some of your larger big boxes. We played with Target some. We've, we're with Bed Bath & Beyond. 
Uh, we obviously deal with Amazon. And so all of those markets are, are important to us, but all of them have their own kind of niche. You know, they're, the way they do business is a little different. How we go to market with them is, is different. But, you know, it, it is, it's been a great evolution from our independent retail base to a very strong um, direct-to-consumer base and then growing international presence as well. So was there a reason you started in that independent retail sector and, and exclusively sold there for a while? That credit needs to go to my partner, Eric Miller. He had knowledge of the independent gift channel. And at that time, a lot of people were talking such and such dot com, such and, you know, uh, it was a straight e-com business play. And it was, it was really just a way to sometimes just sell a product out of a garage and do it. We, we were really focused on building a brand, not just developing revenue. And he knew that market fairly well. We went to Atlanta, set up a small table like we're sitting at right now and started taking handwritten orders. And from that, it was a really good model for those retailers because it was a good price point. It was a good margin for them. And we just continued to grow it. And we then used kind of those early building blocks to build our marketing, to build our .com, to, to expand internationally from starting with that group first. Yeah, it's definitely interesting because like you you said, it's, it's become so common to start with the direct-to-consumer and then, you know, maybe move into wholesale from there. So it's interesting to see kind of the, the opposite of that. But you mentioned direct-to-consumer has obviously grown since you guys started it. Did it grow a lot more after the, the pandemic started? And obviously e-commerce, you know, as, as a whole took off. Did you guys feel that, that impact? Did something happen over the last 18 months? The, yes, we, we certainly did. You, we had a good, solid, and strong dot-com presence before March. What we saw during that time was almost a complete stoppage of retail shipments and a tremendous pickup of what we consider DTC business, our dot-com sales. And that led to us really having to reposition our business in a much faster process than what we expected to. We had one area that was hurting and pain, feeling that pain, and another area that was feeling a different kind of pain because, you know, not to, to use like hard numbers, but it went from 10 orders a day to 1,000 orders a day. And, you know, being able to reposition your business and pivot, which is probably the second most used word of the pandemic, to be able to, to, to supply those orders, to ship those orders, and to, to maintain your business was definitely um, some late nights. And did that turn out to just be a temporary trend, the, the increase in the D2C orders, or has that continued to last up until till now? It has continued to last. The benefit is that I think that we are we continue to see good growth on our um, dot com business, 
but we are also seeing a great comeback on the retail side. So we're seeing a benefit of both the hard work that we put forth to be able to to handle that increase in DTC business, but also having that structure on the wholesale side to be able to fulfill that as well. And I mean, that just adds up to growth, right? If the retail is returning and the DTC has grown quite a bit, then it's just good for the company. That's exactly right. It's never a benefit to see one of your major channels go down at the expense of another, right? So it, you know, even during that time, we, we focused on trying to support both businesses. We did a, that I'm actually very proud of, we did a support your local retailer project during the pandemic where people that were buying online would say, well, this is the store I would usually go to and buy this. And Corksicle would provide that retailer a credit for the margin that they would have made if that person would have bought it in their store. And it, it was it was a great program. It, it created a benefit both on .com, but also to our retail partners that were struggling. And you mentioned a little bit the challenge, obviously, of, of going from 10 orders to 1,000 orders, you know, just using that as a metaphor. But, I mean, how did you handle it? What, what did that take to, to handle such a drastic change in where your orders are coming from and how they're being fulfilled and all that? Well, I'd like to say that there was no screaming and yelling, but there was definitely some at time. You know, the thing that you find out when you put a lot of pressure on any operation, any sales organization, or any um, high growth model, you are going to have things that break. And as long as you have a plan as to how to deal with the breakage, then you can adapt and overcome. And that's what we had in place. We had a very um, clear mindset of of areas that need to be that needed to be shored up, and we put the resources there by moving them from other places. And so it, it really led to an environment that allowed us to quickly pick up efficiencies in some areas because we didn't necessarily need to use it in the other area. And the other thing that we found just for us internally, the world was changing so fast, both outside of the company and inside of the company. We really got on a cadence where we started reviewing our decisions every two, three weeks. So what what looked good two weeks ago, does that still look good today? Yeah, I think that was certainly the mindset for a lot of uh, business leaders, you know, having to to look at those decisions maybe much more frequently than they than they used to. Um, and kind of while we're on this topic of, of change or, or shifts, how do you think Corksicle is the same or different as when you joined 10 years ago? I mean, I'm sure obviously everything has changed, but what are some of the, the things that you think have remained the same about the business over the last decade? Well, I think one thing that I would say about us when we started is we weren't except for Stephen, we weren't really young whippersnappers. Um, Stephen was the youngest and he was in his mid thirties. Um, but we, we went to the mentality that yes, we're going to work hard. We're going to, um, 
put forth all the effort that we need to build and grow this company. But we also have lives. We have families and, you know, kids' soccer games and baseball and, you know, you know, even trying to get away to play golf or something. You know, we're going to keep doing that. And as we got bigger, we really spoke to anyone that was interested in coming to work for us about that culture and this is how we want to be and this is how we're going to live and i think that 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 the phrase of culture sometimes gets a little over talked at times but i will say we we are very very much your family comes first cork sickles second and and when when your family has needs then cork sickles is going to be there for you and and there's i could tell you a hundred stories of how we work that way but that is the thing that really hasn't changed as we've gotten bigger we've been able to maintain our culture and bring on people that understand the brand love the brand understand what we try to do from a product standpoint and then brings that all together with that culture and i think we're we're really lucky to have what we have right now so I want to talk a little bit about your kind of growth journey, if you will, and you know how you've you've gotten to where you are today. So the f- the first question I have is: you start with these small mom and pop retailers. Obviously, at some point, you start breaking into the the bigger name guys. How did you kind of get a voice, or, or you know, catch the attention of some of those bigger brands um, to to get in their doors and get some of that more broader brand awareness? So from our standpoint, it really became building a brand not just developing cool products you have to do both but without a brand a target a big box you know these national retailers they don't want a one and done and so you build a a good brand you develop great products you tell a great story and that's where that 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 interest comes from as you start to get bigger, you partner with different sales agencies or you've hired a new salesperson that has experience in that area. And, and those, those individuals work together to help build that relationship with a much larger entity than, than Corksicle at the time, or it really even at this point. And, and then those people understand what corksicle is and they have to you know sometimes hold their ground to say hey here's what we are you're asking for xyz mr national retailer we can't give you xyz we're not we're not that big but we can give you a b c and d and we think it'll do really really well by you and so from that being honest on both sides of the table building that relationship executing when you tell them that you're going to execute brings that repetitive business and what were some of the the struggles or obstacles challenges whatever you want to call them as you started to to really take off you know as you start working with some bigger guys and obviously handling more orders what were some of the early challenges there i thought we were only going like 40 minutes i got four hours no the you know I think everything it it is when I when I say everything is a challenge that's not a bad way to talk you just have to realize that sometimes you need to step back and stop throwing 
spaghetti at the wall. You know, bring in talent, bring in people that have operated and lived and sold in this environment and, and use them to bring that knowledge and use that expertise. So like any small company, we had cash troubles. You know, there were certain items that we thought were going to be rocket ships that we ended up, you know, with four containers worth that we, we still don't have, but we, it took a really tough time to get through some of those, those challenges. But we also had great challenges of items that we couldn't keep on the shelf. And, you know, those are situations where we take, you know, we take pride in the business and we take chances and sometimes we don't take a paycheck. You know, those are the things that you do to help grow a business and fight through some tough times, understanding that the long run vision is going to play out. Does your business have trouble managing inventory, projects, or even getting paid on time? Don't let spreadsheets and QuickBooks hold you back. If you want to get your business to a better place, take action now and make the move to NetSuite. Stop paying for multiple systems that don't give you the information you need when you need it. Ditch the spreadsheets and all the old software you've outgrown. Now is the time to upgrade to NetSuite by Oracle, the world's number one cloud business system. NetSuite gives you visibility and control over your financials, HR, inventory, e-commerce, and more. Everything you need, all in one place, instantaneously. Whether you're doing a million or hundreds of millions in revenue, save time and money with NetSuite. Join the over 24,000 companies using NetSuite right now. Let NetSuite show you how they'll benefit your business with a free product tour at netsuite.com business. Schedule your free product tour right now at netsuite.com business. netsuite.com business. Some of the things you mentioned there, I think, are, are related to inventory, right? Whether it either sitting too long or, or the opposite, moving too quickly. But could you talk about any of the specific inventory-related challenges you had, whether it was tracking or just ordering the right amount of stock, keeping the right amount? What were some of the, the biggest issues there? What's funny is when we first started, we had one SKU, and it was very easy to manage. We could pretty much buy as much as we want put it on the shelf, ship it out when people needed it. As we continued to grow, it was tough to, one, learn the life cycle of a product. The life cycle of the product obviously has a lot to do with how much, how long you buy the, the product for, how long you make it, how, how much you have on the shelf. And then you couple that with a growing business that has increased its SKU count. And then learning those those new SKUs and how much how much they're going to cannibalize another product or which one's going to be the outlier home run. So we've we've been through a lot of um, just various scenarios with that. NetSuite has been a huge benefit for us to be able to put our sales data in, compare that to our current inventory levels, our historical inventory flow, and and really get a full picture of where we need to be. You know, there are certain situations that it's it's tough to catch that shooting star if it's really moving, but it's a lot easier to deal with that shooting star knowing that your your 90 other new SKUs are in a good position. 
and and those are those are the things that we get out of NetSuite because we're able to utilize the system not only as a as a sales order entry system and a customer management system but also it it dictates our demand it, it dictates our inventory flow and our purchasing so you mentioned NetSuite there and and I think we can kind of jump into that side of things but before NetSuite, what, what kind of systems were you using? Where were they maybe limiting you or, or holding you back? We started with pen and paper. <laughs> we ended up going to, um, I don't even remember what it was called, 3D Cart, I think. And then we transitioned to uh, a system called OrderBot, which was really designed for the gift, gift world. And um, we were running accounting on QuickBooks. Things were, from an operating standpoint, they were very simple. From a business standpoint, we knew nothing. We didn't know what inventory we had. We didn't know how much we were selling. Uh, we just knew that there was this book of orders that we had, and they needed to go to these customers. And really, when we started looking, that was kind of the, the main thing. We wanted something that everything could live together from orders to inventory to our GL. And so when you were kind of missing all that, that information you needed, do you think that just makes it really hard to make those decisions around inventory and what should we be pushing? What should we be pulling back? All that stuff? It, it really does. It, it, it prevents you from seeing patterns. And life, you know, statistically or, or, you know, when you break it down in your graphs or you're just putting it into a spreadsheet and you're trying to figure out, did you capture all of this information? How many customers do we have? How many orders did we write? You know, those are, those are when you're counting on your fingers and toes, that's never going to be a good decision. And that is really we we just we knew we were running blind a bit and we needed to shore up that that system so you know it's time for a a new system but but why netsuite what pulled you that direction what maybe stood out about it and made you think this is the right system for corksicle some high level things right away we definitely wanted a cloud-based system uh some other competitors were starting to dabble in it a little bit. NetSuite really was running hard on on that as a as a platform. We wanted to be able to work anywhere. We didn't want to hire someone to run a server room or anything to that nature. You know, we were running very lean, trying to be as efficient as we could. And as we looked at some of the competitors, a lot of them were truthfully old school is what I would call it. I came from a distribution background and that's what it reminded me of. Where NetSuite was more, hey, go work on the beach if you want to. You can go anywhere. But from our standpoint, what was great about it is you could go to our shows, set up and conduct business right then and there. So you had a need to be remote because of the the trade shows and all the traveling. That's right. And And it hit all of the 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 key points that we were looking at inventory control was fantastic the historical information that we would have once we went on it would be great um, we liked those the structure of how the customers were built and you know just little things like that that were we were really impressed by it and and we did a pretty deep dive of of 
that kind of that competitive landscape. And NetSuite was very, very far and ahead for us. Once you kind of got up and running on NetSuite, start, start using it every day, where do you feel like you saw the biggest immediate impacts? Where was it like, oh, wow, this is so much better than it was before. I finally have this thing I've been, I've been wanting to have for years. Well, there was definitely some learning curves with NetSuite. We were a small group. I did not have a, an assistant administrator. I was that. And my, the one thing that, that I noticed right away, we pushed some historical information into NetSuite. And right out of the box, the, the canned reports for a new user was great. And once I started to learn how to really use save searches and, and, and see the historical information that we'd had the whole time presented in a manner that we could use and make decisions off of, it, it was a home run for us very quickly. That then led us to really expand. We sort of joked that NetSuite was like the human brain force for a long time. We were using 10% of it. And then it really started to grow exponentially. And it's really kind of fun, some of the stuff we're doing now. It sounds like it also helped with inventory planning when you talk about the historical data and stuff, figuring out what we should be buying in quantities and stuff like that. Is that kind of what you're referring to? It was a, it was a big piece for us. If, if we didn't have that information, again, we would have continued to place POs. We would have continued to place POs without any real knowledge. And, and truthfully, there were, there were times that we got into situations where we didn't use the system that we got bit. And we, we then restructured a little bit to make NetSuite kind of our center of truth, if you will. And what was in inventory, we were very, very um, strict about how those transactions flowed so that we felt very comfortable about our inventory accuracy. We put in the correct information about lead times and, and the pricing with, with our vendors so that we knew where those margins were going to come out. And we knew items that we would invest more in because it was a better product for us than something else. And... NetSuite allowed us to look at everything in a singular dashboard, split out POs, drive, you know, bottom line margin for us and really invest in the business without it being a dart thrown at a board. So digging into inventory just a little bit more, are there any KPIs or reports around inventory that you think were particularly valuable or or useful once you got NetSuite up and running? The, the original reports that were, were out there were great right off the bat. Days on hand, turns, your, your, what I would call your standard inventory reportings were great. Those were out of the box. We didn't have to develop anything. We then turned around and as we expanded, started to build some of our own KPIs uh, where we're looking at product productivity or you know sometimes days out of stock that really are are can be drainers on the business and that really led us to you know at a high level we we break it down for certain people depending on where their day-to-day nitty-gritty life is in that suite um, versus maybe it's a 10,000 foot level or even a 10 foot level but 
it, it really allows us to build productivity reports, see where the, um, the, the product is going, which market it's really moving in. You know, there, there are great reports that we use from an inventory standpoint that allows us to see really how are these products doing across our, our major markets and why is one higher than the other? And then start to pull those levers to realize, hey, maybe I need more stock in this area. You know, those are those are the things that I think NetSuite really allows us to do is that you, you can see it at such a detailed level and then there's so much information behind it. It really allows you to make the right decisions. Yeah, that, that's certainly great to hear. And I just want to now move on a little bit to the e-commerce side of things. I know you've used NetSuite e-commerce for a little while now, um, but, but what do you use it for? What do you use Suite Commerce for and what, what have you used it for since you purchased it? Well, as you know, that is a new module for us. We are in the process of lighting it up for our B2B business. So what we use it for is allowing our field reps to engage with, the, with our customers out there to see their account, their order, their order history, if they have back orders, their statements, whatnot. And it also allows the, the retailer, the customer, to go in and manage their own account. If they want to change their credit card, they want to update an address, um, if they want to place an order, you know, these, like anyone, these, these store owners are working at night doing stuff that they can't do during the day. And we think that that provides them a tool to go onto a secure platform, see their history and place orders without having to, to get an answer from a rep at nine o'clock at night or call into our customer service number. So that that avenue for us is an expansion off of an older system that was really, really time to, to upgrade. And, and we just felt like it was the right time to make the investment. And we were very excited about it. And was that something customers were asking for in terms of just giving them an e-commerce option on the, on the B2B side? Was that something that you said customers are asking if we can do this? Or what kind of triggered you to, to offer that for your wholesale customers? We definitely had customers asking for it. There is a wide range of technical ability um, in that base, but where we were really interested in in pushing out information was to our field reps. You know, not to to hold a thumb over them or to track them, but to be able to show them, hey, this customer hasn't bought their normal monthly reorder or here's the here's your target for the, your forecast for the year here's how you're trending we think that pushing information like that to our team even if they aren't true corksicle employees but they are our partners in the field we think it is very valuable information and then to be able to communicate that out and give them tools that in many situations our competitors are not providing or even non-competitors but m- other vendors that are in the marketplace that are not providing that information. We think that that is a better tool and we think that will bring more positive results from our reps. 
So it sounds like the, the B2B site is also a sales enablement tool for your, your sales force as well, not just for the customers, but also to help your, your reps. Absolutely. You know, it's been said a billion times that knowledge is power, but truthfully, that's, that is what we're trying to give them. So, so when you went looking for an e-commerce solution, was there something that stood out about SweetCommerce? Were there other solutions you looked at as you kind of evaluated this? And, and if so, maybe why, you know, why SweetCommerce over some of those other options? Well, we really felt like it was the best fit for us without any comparison, truthfully. And that was because they're both native NetSuite environments. Our customers, our transactions, our inventory, our payments, our, um, just in, our entire ecosystem lives in NetSuite. It's our spine. We, everyone's in it all day long. And we felt like sweet commerce connected to our NetSuite environment just provided the best solution, hands down. Could you explain any more why that's such an advantage to have an e-commerce system that's natively integrated and automatically tied to all those things you just mentioned? Well, I think it's interesting that you use the word integration there because I don't feel that there is one. And I think that is, while there are a lot of positive aspects of using the integrations that that we use, whether it's SPS or Boomi or Soligo, we use all of those. But just being able to take that wall down and knowing that the, the data that our rep or our customer is seeing is exactly the same at that millisecond that our customer service person sitting in Orlando is looking at is an unbelievable benefit. And just bringing it back to Corksicle as as a company, what does the future look like, you think, for Corksicle? What do you guys have planned and maybe what role might NetSuite play in in helping that all happen? So from our future, we we have a lot of plans. We are very strategic on our tactical execution, is what I like to say. And we we have a long-term plan about how we're going to get to our dream, if you will. And we have a very, very solid team uh, that is that is helping us get there. You know, NetSuite is really part of our team and it allows us to do a couple of different things. It allows us to customize the system for the needs that we feel we have about tracking data, making decisions, what have you, without painting us painting ourselves into a corner for upgrades and advancements that the NetSuite team is putting forth. To sit in, in the keynote and hear, you know, talking about the banking module and, and obviously the expansion of suite analytics, you know, these are all things that we either are outsourcing or we know we have a need for and for to hear that to to see that roadmap to understand the vision makes makes me feel very good about the partnership that that we've chosen with NetSuite and to close Blake I'll just kind of ask you a more industry-wide question but but Corksicle seems like a company that has kind of figured out you know omni-channel retail in this new retail world that's been happening for a while now so 
With that in mind, what would kind of be your number one piece of advice to a retailer that's trying to succeed in this environment today? I think the answer is you have to understand the differences between each channel and your decisions about those channels are hopefully educated on those differences. But understanding that any different or any decision that you make is really leading to a win-win for both Corksicle and a retailer in that certain channel. And, and, and understanding that there's, there's going to be growth in different, different arenas and different products and platforms and, and, and understanding that we're going to be the best that we can be for those people, but they're going to be great in their own. And, and it can all, they can all play great in the sandbox and continue to grow. Yeah, I think that's that's great advice and uh, a good way to close it out. So thank you so much for your time and, and really appreciate you joining us today. Thanks. It was great. Thank you to Blake Thomas from Corksicle for joining us and to Ian McHugh for hosting this episode. Great job, Ian. I also want to shout out to our editing crew over at Lampstand and, of course, all of you for tuning in. As always, don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe. And if you want to learn more about how Corksicle has grown with NetSuite, check out the link in the description of this episode. Bye. You just listened to the NetSuite podcast. Be sure to tune in every week with more NetSuite developments, stories, and insights into the benefits of one integrated system to help you run your business.